Well, good morning. Well, good morning. That's a little better. Nice. Good to see you today. My name is Frank Briggs, and I'm uh, privileged to be with you this morning. We've uh, been in this little series. It's called My Story. And just to refresh you a little bit about it, my story is about the importance of your story, about telling your story. And the stories that I'm talking about are stories about your life, about who you are, about where you've been. If we were to sit down, you and I, to have coffee, we hadn't met each other before, we would want to tell each other our stories. We talk about where we're from, we talk about how we were raised, we talk about our family, we talk about our parents, all those kinds of things, what we do. We would get acquainted that way. Everybody has a story. And part of what I invited you to think about in that first week was to ask yourself the question, when did Jesus become more than a name to me? When did Jesus become more than a name? Uh, and that if you are a follower of Jesus, that somewhere in your story there has to be a part of it that you begin to speak about when Jesus became more than a name to you, that he would be that important, that you would share that as a part of your story. And then last week I talked to you about the power of the BDA, and we've talked about BDAs before. BDA is just a little acronym, B-D-A, your before, during, and after story. The acronym is a way to help us remember or reframe how we're going to tell our stories because we have a story, you have a story, hopefully you have a story about when Jesus became more than a name to you. And so the way that you would tell that story is you would talk about what was going on in your life before you accepted Jesus, about how you wandered, about how you struggled. Maybe you were raised in the church, you know, that kind of thing. Eventually you came to a place where you believed in Jesus and you invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And as you did that, he became more than a name to you. And that should be part of our BDA, uh, the telling of when Jesus became more than a name to me. But it doesn't stop there because there ought to be a lot of stories that you could tell about your life, about what God has done in your life. And, and let me just say, let me be frank with you for a moment and say, if you don't have a story about what God has done in your life recently, then you better get busy and lean on God a little bit more because you're trying to lean on your own strength if you don't have a story like that. I can tell you story after story after story about my life, about some of the train wrecks of my life and how God carried me through those things and the power of that. Your BDA is your before, during, and after story. And part of this is about trying to help everybody understand that in the, in the society in which we live, we need to be people who are telling our stories, just sharing it where we can in, in opportunities as they appear to us. And we've talked about these BDAs, and we've used lots of illustrations. And most of these illustrations have come from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if you were here on Football Sunday, we, we, we've been using videos from Football Sunday to help tell the story. Because the Football Sunday video that we watched in here on that day, really the highlight of it was a couple of different couples telling their story. Their BDA is basically all they were doing. We heard from Prince Amukamara, uh, the cornerback for the Chicago Bears, and how he talked about how in high school he became a believer. He accepted Jesus with his head, is, is the way he would say it. Uh, he became a believer in high school, but it wasn't until college that he began to follow Jesus. And that would be a story that many of us could tell. Yeah, I believed intellectually in God, but it wasn't until this happened that Jesus really became more than a name for me, where I became a follower of Jesus. 
And then last week, we, we saw the story of Nate and Lexi Solder, and we heard about their son, Hudson, who was born with a, with a serious ailment uh, with his kidneys, and how he's had chemo treatment, and he's had surgeries, and that uh, since we saw, or since the video was filmed, uh, little Hudson had surgery on uh, middle of part of December, and he's doing okay. But it was a great story because it reminded us that, you know, our stories have got a lot of unknowns to them. We come up against hard times. We don't know what the future is going to hold, but their story, the soldier's story, really reminded me about how important it is to cling to Jesus, especially when times are tough, because he knows how to walk us through those times. And we also then heard last week a story from one of our own, Lindsay Reyes, and she did a wonderful job uh, articulating her own story and her own journey from believing to becoming a follower. And I love the way she ended the video that we watched, where she talks about being in a mom's Bible study here at Lighthouse with some of the uh, moms, and, and how at the end of her story she talked about how they're studying Colossians, and in Colossians they've begun to realize that Colossians is really a story about are you going to walk with Jesus or are you going to let Jesus in to lead your life? Big difference between walking with him and letting him really lead your life. And, and how grateful we are for people sharing their stories like that. And I've told you that one of the things that is so important to me, and I believe should be important to all of us, is that, look, in this society in which we live, where there is antagonism, antagonism that is against the church or Christians, people think the church maybe doesn't have anything to offer them, that the thing that's going to win them over is if they hear a story. And it's very often your story that people are going to listen to. Because if I got introduced to one of your friends, I, my story really doesn't mean much to them because I don't have a trust relationship with them. They don't really care much about me, but they care about you. And your story, when you have the opportunity to tell it, is a story that can draw them closer to Jesus and make a huge difference in their lives. And I've talked to you about how the Bible says that unequivocally God says it in the Bible, look, God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And being saved means being saved from our sin. And you get that by inviting Jesus in and making him Lord of your life. Can I get the church to say amen? God wants everybody to be saved. And the only way that everybody's going to learn about Jesus is if we are telling our stories. And, and, and how in 1 Peter it says that we need to be prepared always. It doesn't say we don't need to be prepared sometimes or once in a while. It says we always need to be ready to tell somebody the hope, the reason for the hope that we have. Always be prepared to tell somebody the reason for the hope that you have. If somebody is desperate in their life, and they're struggling to find their way, you might be the one person that could breathe some hope into their life by just simply telling them why you have hope. And wouldn't we say it's because Jesus is alive? Wouldn't we say that? So today, we're going to continue this concept of my story. And today, I want to talk to you about a little phrase that, that you may have used yourself. My hope would be that you have said this to yourself many times. And that is, you have an opportunity to talk to somebody that's in your life. It could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker, somebody that you know. And in the midst of their life and your relationship with them, you have learned that they have a, a lot of great struggles. And they come to you one day and they say, hey, you, 
Uh, I, I'm really struggling. Can we talk for a little bit? And so you talk. You say, yeah, I'd love to talk with you. And you sit down and you talk to them. And as you're talking to them, you're realizing that they're really in a desperate place. And they didn't know about this hope. And so you tell them your story. And, and as you tell them your story, you're breathing encouragement into them. You're equipping them. You're trying to support them. And, and, and as things come out of your mouth, you're a little bit stupefied. Because when the, when the conversation's over, you walk away and you think to yourself, where did that come from? Have, has that ever happened to you? Boy, I hope it has. Because it really is a critical piece of this whole idea of telling my story. Because this idea of where did that come from is the idea that if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, that when you accepted Jesus in your life, part of what God does is God releases the power of the Holy Spirit in your life when you accept Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's job is to equip us. In fact, the Bible says that, the, that not only is he to equip us, but Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is is to be a teacher for us, is to be a reminder of the things of Jesus for us, is to be a witness to Jesus as well, that when you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit becomes released in your life, and, and all of this leadership that comes from the Holy Spirit equips us to have conversations about, like the one I just talked to you about, where that friend says, man, I need, I, I need to talk to you. And you have this conversation, and you walk away, and you think, man, what did I say? Where did that come from? That is the power of God's Holy Spirit in you, helping you, equipping you to say and speak truth and life and encouragement into people within your world. So as you think about the Holy Spirit this morning, I want to invite you to just realize that this should be a part of a Christian's life, that there ought to be times where we have conversations with people and we don't really know what we said, but it was, it seemed like it was just what they needed. There's not one time where I can remember that I went into a hospital room or I went into a hospice room or I went into somebody's home or when somebody came to visit me in my office, they wanted to have a time to talk with me. There's not one time that I can remember that I didn't stop before the conversation and pray a little prayer to myself. God, would you please throw me a bone here? Because I don't really know what to say. There are many, many times where I'm going into a hospital room or a hospice room, and I'm like going, man, I, I don't know if I'm equipped for this. And, and God's always, hey, yeah, you're not equipped for this, Frank. Your equipment comes from me. And plenty of times, a month or two months or six months or a year after the fact, that somebody would come to me and say, hey, remember that time when you came and visited me in the hospital? Or remember that time when I visited with you in your office and you said this? And they say what this is. And I'm thinking to myself, I have no clue. I don't remember saying that at all. Where did that come from? It came from God. And please don't misunderstand me. I am I'm not saying this about myself to lift myself up at all because the things that I'm talking about are things that every single Christian should be involved in, engaged in every single day, week in and week out, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life to speak truth into people's lives, to help people experience the power of God. Because isn't that what we want? We want the power of God revealed in our lives. So when you think to yourself, where'd that come from? The next thing out of your thoughts, the next thing out of your mind ought to be, 
thank you, God, for providing the words for me. I pray that prayer every Sunday morning before I get up here to preach. Because who am I to stand in front of people and say something for God? Who am I? I'm just a, I'm just a worthless little human being, just like the rest of you, friends, that, that without God, I am nothing. And so when I get up to preach, I'm like, God, God would you please, please, God, do something with my words and transform them into people's lives so that they would hear what they need to hear straight from you today. That should be our attitude, oh, by the way, every time we gather to worship. We should expect God to be doing something in our lives. And if we're listening with the right heart and ears, then God speaks. So for our passage today, I want to invite you to think with me about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to move in our mouths to be able to speak truth into people's lives. And I'm going to read to you from Acts 2. And let me set the stage for you. Uh, Jesus has lived, he's died, and he rose from the dead. Can the church say amen? Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? That's better. He rose from the dead, Jesus did, and he walked and talked and lived for another 40 days after that. And at the end of that time, at the end of that 40 days, Jesus began to speak into his friends. He said, it's a good thing that I'm getting ready to go because by my going, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, he said, the Counselor, it is translated also, the Comforter, the Counselor, that that the Comforter or Counselor will come because I'm going. And imagine Jesus' friends, especially his close friends, who have lived with him for the three years that he's been on his missionary journeys. He has become their rock. They believe he is the Messiah. And don't you imagine when Jesus said, it's a good thing that I'm going, that his friends are going, what are you, crazy, Jesus? We don't want you to go. You're our life. You're our leader. You're everything to us. We've given everything for you. Why would you want to go? And Jesus doesn't give up. He says, it's a good thing that I go because if I don't go, the Father won't send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And so at the end of all that, there comes a day where Jesus is standing with his friends. He's given them final instruction, and he ascends. And, and this idea of ascension is that, that you're standing there, you're talking to each other, and all of a sudden, literally, Jesus gets lifted up. No, no jet pack, no rocket pack, no transporter, no nothing. And Jesus is literally lifted up in front of them, and he disappears into the clouds. And he tells them before he goes, you better gather because God's getting ready to do something amazing. And so after Jesus goes, they gather, they're gathered at Pentecost. And it says that there were tongues of flame, tongues of fire that descended over the heads of the disciples. Now, it's a crazy, wild kind of an image, but but put it in your mind, would you? There's a bunch of people that are gathered Pentecost is going on. It's a celebration, all that. And, and the disciples are, are, are speaking, and these tongues of flame began to kind of rest on their heads. It's a crazy image. I know. Think about it. And as the disciples speak to this room filled with people, 
everybody from all these different countries hears the voices in their own language. It would be like you're from, every single one of you is from a different country. Some from Mexico, some from Brazil, some from Russia, some from Nigeria, some from wherever. And, and somebody gets up and starts speaking, and you know that that person speaking doesn't speak your language, but as they're speaking, you're hearing it in your own language. A crazy concept, I know. And, and, and they would be looking at, you would be looking at me and saying, well, Frank doesn't know Spanish. Or Frank doesn't know Russian, or Frank doesn't know Portuguese. How in the world is it that I can hear Frank, but it's not a language that he knows? How is that possible? And Peter begins to speak then. Because some of the people that are there listening that day and observing this day, they say, hey, these people must be drunk. They got to be out of their minds. Because this is craziness. How could this craziness ever happen? And, and Peter gets up and he, he says, oh, just so that you are aware, hey, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's had a drink out here. These people are not drunk. They're filled with the Spirit of God and speaking great, great truth. Listen to what it says in Acts 2. I'm going to read verses 22 to 24 and then jump over to 29 through 38. Listen for the word of the Lord. Peter speaking his story to those that would listen. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Let the church say amen. amen. Death could not keep him in its grip. Now I'm going to jump over a couple of verses in which David, uh, they're actually a quote from Psalm 16 in which David talks about his body not decomposing. And this is just a little kind of parenthetical comment to help you understand the rest of the passage. Peter goes on in verse 29. He says, Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. In other words, when David was talking about his body not decomposing, he wasn't talking about himself, talking about somebody else. Verse 30, But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit down on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. Peter is saying, look, David's comments were not about himself. They were about one of his descendants, and that one descendant is Jesus, the Messiah. Verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, 
And this is a quote from Psalm 110. David speaking, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Verse 38, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be Lord, both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to one another, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let the church say amen. Amen. It's a profound story. It truly is. The power of God to move and speak in people's lives. They are convicted, the people that are listening. They are convicted by what Peter has said. He's telling them his story. And they become convicted, and they say, well, well what do we do with this? We, we hear you. We buy what you're saying. What do we do with this? And he says, repent and be baptized. And repentance is an important thing for us to remember and to understand if we don't know this concept. Repentance is about turning away from our self-filled lives and turning toward God. A God-filled life. It's about me walking this direction and me deciding that i got to go this direction, away from me and towards God. That's what repentance is. It's simply a turning of one's life toward God. Peter says, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to repent. That means I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going to turn away from me and toward you, God, and be baptized. And, oh, by the way, Uh, Just so you're aware, the next Baptism Sunday that we're having here at Lighthouse is going to be on the 29th of March. And I'm hoping that there's somebody in here or maybe somebody watching at home that will join us on the 29th and get baptized on that day so that we can celebrate with you. Peter said, repent and be baptized. And then, oh, by the way, it goes on to say, and I didn't read it to you, but it goes on to say, that there were 3,000 that were baptized that day. Can the church say amen? 3,000 were baptized that day. And oh, by the way, in case you're not aware, back when they wrote the Bible, the people that they would count, if they were going to count heads, were the men. They didn't count the women. They didn't count the children. So when it says there were 3,000 that were baptized that day, that means there were 3,000 men baptized. And oh, by the way, there were probably at least 3,000 women baptized that day, or maybe four, or maybe 5,000 women baptized that day. And how many children would have been baptized that day? Another two or three or 4,000? There could have been six, eight, 10,000. Let's go preacher numbers. There was 15,000 <laughs> that, that were baptized that day, right? But you get the idea, right? 3,000 sounds like a huge number, but it was way more than that. People were cut to the heart because they realized that Peter was speaking truth. He was speaking truth because he was filled with the power of God to speak truth to their lives. and, And as a result, people's lives were changed that day. When you tell your BDA, you've got to let go of you, And you've got to let God speak through you. And when you do, life change happens. People's lives get changed when you tell your story because somebody in your world desperately needs to hear your story. 
So we're going to look at a couple of other BDAs before we end uh, our time this morning. We're going to do as we've done the last couple of weeks. We're going to pick up a couple of videos from Football Sunday again because the main videos from Football Sunday are really just BDAs, people telling their story, the story of their life. And today we're going to be looking at the story of Benjamin and Kirsten Watson, a Benjamin former tight end for the Patriots. And uh, let's listen and hear their stories. Let's watch and listen. possibly my last game. Uh, if we win, which hopefully we do, uh, there'll be another game after that, which will be in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. And on that Monday or Tuesday, I started getting pain in my stomach. The next day, I ended up going to uh, the hospital, got a couple of CAT scans and gave me some medicine and uh, sent me home. Another doctor looked at my CAT scan and said, I think Benjamin has uh, acute appendicitis. You need to get him to the hospital right now. A dear friend named David, um, came over to the hospital, prayed for me. My family was there and I woke up. That was the first night I slept the whole week. They released me from the hospital. I go back to the facility and uh, you know, they tell me that, well, you weren't here the first two days of practice, Wednesday and Thursday, so the plan is for you not to play. Crushed. Because in my head, I had this awesome story of I had appendicitis, God healed me. I came back in the NFC Championship, caught the winning touchdown. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's going to be a Christian sensation. That's how my mom was rolling. Part of why I love that is because he's just telling the truth about his life. You know, didn't you love the enthusiasm? You know, here he's got appendicitis, and he gets somebody to pray over him, and he's good. And, oh, I can't play on Sunday. And he's thinking to himself before all that, he's thinking, man, I'm going to be a Christian sensation. Everybody's going to go, woohoo! look at God. Look how great this is. And it's just a reminder that every single one of us have times and places in our lives where we face great disappointment because something doesn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out, that it it's not happening the way we envisioned it to happening. And there's not a person in this room that is immune to that. Every single one of us have disappointments in our lives. And some of you right now, no doubt, because there's a lot of people in here, there's got to be some in this room that are right now struggling because of some great disappointment that you are facing right now. And you're feeling discouraged about that. And, and it's so refreshing to have somebody tell their story and acknowledge that they have struggles too. And, and part of the reason it's so encouraging is because every single person in the room understands discouragement because we've all been there. We've all been discouraged. And, and part of our story has got to be revealing the truth that sometimes life is tough for us too. Because nobody, nobody, nobody should think that becoming a Christian means that everything goes rosy in your life because you're still human 
You're, 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 you're still a, a broken human being, and following Jesus means that you have somebody that's going to walk with you and lead you through all the challenges of your life, but, but it doesn't mean that you're perfect, because we're not. So let's listen to another piece of the Watson's story as they kind of weave in their journey with God and some disappointment that they've had in their lives as well. We had five kids. And the question we always get is, are you done? And I just didn't have the yes. And then one night, I remember him saying, you know, let's, let's go for number six. Let's try. And so I felt like we had waited, we had been patient, um, and then we had both heard yes from the Lord. And so to go and, and then get pregnant immediately, I was like, we were supposed to have six. And so the last thing that ever crossed my mind is that we wouldn't have the baby. When it didn't work out, and we found out that we had lost the baby. I remember thinking, God, I thought I was doing what you said. You know, five kids is a lot. We said yes to six. We must have been wrong because surely God wouldn't allow that. And so we got pregnant again. And I said, well, maybe God really does want us to have this sixth baby. We were excited. We told the kids. And then something went wrong again. The baby's not growing and um, there's no heartbeat. I'm just trying to be obedient and I don't understand. And so this time was really rough and we try again in July and then I get pregnant. I look, I'm looking at the lady giving the ultrasound and she makes this weird face. And I say, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, I see something. And so I say, well, is it a baby? Do you see a baby? And she goes, I see two babies. I look over at Benjamin, I see him walking towards the TV screen with his mouth open. And then I look at the screen and I see two, two babies. And I say, you didn't tell me you had twins in your family. Because I don't, I was like, I don't have any twins in my family. I know we have twins. Necessarily, what I think good is. It's always good, but it might not always be pleasant. Then Amy says, If God loved you, wouldn't that be easy? And somewhere along the line, I've bought in that lie. Then I have to go back to truth, and I look in the Bible, and I don't see that anywhere. <laughs> His promises are that you are an overcomer that I love you, that I'll never leave you or forsake you. His promises are that I will always provide for your needs according to riches and glory. The promises are that I love you so much that I sent my own son to die for you. His promises are that I've already written the book 
So I know what's happening when you don't. His promises are eternal life. His promises are that I'll give you beauty for ashes. Love the way he ends that uh, with that quote from Isaiah 61, I'll give you beauty for ashes. And, and the, their story is really a testimony to how very often in our lives there's a lot of uncertainty about what the future holds. We don't know what's going on. We don't understand all of God's ways. And so there's disappointment that creeps in. And, and yet God has this ability to, to turn our disappointments into something positive and something beautiful and something powerful. It's the gift of God to us. As, as we learned last week from the soldiers, you know, you, you can't trust that everything that's going on is, is, is going the way that, that you want it to go. But God is moving around you, and God is moving in you, and God is trying to bring purpose and direction to your life, that even in the midst of the disappointments, we have to trust God. And so this morning, a last video for you, this one from one of our very own, Rachel Phobes, who was kind enough to give us the opportunity to record a part of her story. Let's watch and listen now. My name is Rachel Phelps. Me and my husband, David, have been members of Lighthouse for about a year now. We have two boys, uh, Connor and Zane, they're seven and five. And I teach Algebra One at Western Hills High School in Fort Worth. And my husband is a Fort Worth police officer. And this is my story. I grew up uh, on and off in church and about sixth grade, we started going to church consistently. I got baptized when I was in eighth grade and, you know, stayed in church, um, but I guess I didn't really have a relationship with God. I just believed in God and did what I thought I was supposed to do. I went to a small Christian college um, and I wanted to go there because I wanted to be surrounded by Christians. When we had our kids, that's when we really started looking for a church because I wanted them to grow up in church just like I did. I wanted them to learn the Bible stories and, and just, you know, be Christians as well. At that point, church was still just a Sunday thing. And the kids would start coming home and they would be singing, Jesus loves me and talking about God all the time. And I was like, well, why? Why is Jesus just a Sunday thing? So he needs to be at home with me and he needs to go to work with me. And that year I decided to take him to school with me. I made a conscious decision to bring him to school and at teaching in high school, it's a hard thing to do. So I brought him to school through my actions and the way I would say things. So that year, I had a student who came to school and she dressed as Jesus for Superhero Day. And later on in the year, she asked if she could pray for the whole class um, before they took their final and the whole class passed. <laughs> so it was like, God's right here saying, here I am. <laughs> um, it was also a really hard year, and every time I hit some challenging spots, I had a friend who would say, you chose to bring Jesus to school, so the devil is striking back. <laughs> and I have to keep that in my, the back of my thoughts. Um, so 
I kept bringing Jesus to school and I started getting recognized for things, uh, the different activities I do in my class, the way I build relationships with students. I have now become department chair uh, for the math department and I was elected as teacher of the year this year. So that's been amazing to look back and say God did all of these things. Um, and I'm gonna keep bringing them to school. <laughs> While that was happening, uh, at home uh, during those four or five years, my husband decided to become a Fort Worth police officer. And before he was ever even in the academy or accepted as an officer, I struggled so much because that's a scary job. And I didn't even want him to go to become an officer because I was just worried about what would happen. And I had so many sleepless nights before he even got offered that job. And I remember uh, one Sunday at church, I just felt God say, hey, um, you need to go pray about this. And so I grabbed my husband and I, we went up to the altar, got on our knees and I prayed over him. I prayed that if that's what he was supposed to do, that God would protect him. I prayed for the police officers and I prayed for myself that I would just have peace over that job. And I remember later on, feeling like a weight had been lifted. God took that from me because I, I allowed him to take it from me. And it was amazing. Uh, David got accepted into the police academy later on. And I remember again, him bringing home his bulletproof vest for the first time. And I, it was like reality set in. He had been in an academy the whole time. So it was just, uh, it was just school at that point. And once everyone was in bed that night, I was sitting there trying to make my lesson plans for the next week. And I just started crying. And I remember just, it was like God was speaking to me and he was pushing my schoolwork away saying, you need to talk to me. And again, I just stopped and talked to him for an hour. And I don't worry about my husband anymore. He goes to work and he comes home just like anybody else. And that's when Jesus really became more than just a name to me. Yeah, let the church say amen. Thank you, Rachel, for your willingness to share your story. And thank you, David, for what you do in our community, serving all of us. We appreciate you guys so very much. A couple of things I would lift up from, from her story. You heard her say she was baptized when she was in eighth grade. But she said, I didn't really have a relationship. She hadn't moved from believing to following at that point in her life. And she articulates a lot more of her story and helps us get the picture, the image of, of how God was moving in her life and God was speaking to her life and how she became a person who could say that Jesus became more than a name, right? Uh, out of the challenges that she was facing and struggling over with David's choice to go to uh, be a police officer, the reality of that was that she had to release her anxiety, and as God spoke to her and released that anxiety, Jesus became more than a name. It's powerful, the story that you have, the story of, about what God is doing or, or is doing in your life. Those stories are incredibly powerful, profound to be able to reach into somebody's life and help them know the power of God, the hope that we have because of Jesus. 
I want to conclude this morning by asking you to stand. Would you stand, please? And I want to, I'm just going to read some promises over you, uh, like Ben Watson invited us to think about. Uh, and I just want you to receive these as promises because there are some of you here today who are discouraged about your life. And maybe you're here for the first time because you're, you, you wanna, you, you're doing everything you can to try to find a, a way to go forward. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have not repented, then I, I ask you today to make that decision. It's the finest decision you can make with your entire life to become a follower of Jesus. So before you go, I want to just speak these promises over you, and I want to ask you, if you would, do me a favor and, and put yourself in a position to receive these promises. And you can maybe just put your hands out like this or put your hand on your heart, whatever you want to do, just to receive these promises. These are about you from Isaiah 61. To all who mourn in Israel... He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Or from Exodus 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Isaiah 41, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. From Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom? shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In Matthew 11, Jesus said, I will give you rest. In Mark 10, Jesus said, with humans, this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And finally, from Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The light of Jesus flows out of your life into the lives of those around you. It is my prayer for you this day that you will claim and hold your story as a sacred piece of who you are and that you would tell that story because you are the light. You carry it with you wherever you go. May you be blessed in the knowledge that you are his light, his love, because of Jesus. Let the church say amen. Amen. Now, remain standing as we sing. And as we sing, if you've not made that decision to become a follower of Jesus, make it now. If you want to speak to somebody about it or pray with someone about that, I'm going to be right over here. would love to have the chance to visit with you and pray with you if you would like. Otherwise, the altar railing will be open while we sing. If you'd like to come and pray, you're welcome to do that. Let's, let's sing, and let's do that business with God that we need to right now.